It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Job Salit. I'm Matt Beat. And I'm Helen Hong. And today we're talking about specimen collectors. Might sound gross, but it's not. You know, the past was so different. They had such different ideas. To go out and shoot all these exotic animals was a great thing to do. Most of us like to collect things, antiques, vinyl records, stamps, buttons, coins, heck even memes. However, while we may go to great lengths to build up our collection by scouring the internet or local yard sales to find stuff, but going around the world, that's just way too much work. Work? Well, this show is about occupations, so... How about people who collect rare stuff to sell it and make a living? More than a hundred years ago, there were a group of collectors who went for the most exotic from the far corners of the world in order to make money, yes, but also to seek adventure. In this episode, we're looking at those who went out searching for the Earth's natural treasures, specimen collectors. I'm not going to lie, when when we... For, were first told that we were going to do an episode on specimen collecting, I was like, ew, that just sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of specimens are we talking about? But, yeah, I mean, couldn't they have picked a better word than specimen collector? It sounds like when you go to the doctor and they give you the pee cup and they're like, pee in the, pee in the cup and bring it back and, and that's your specimen. That's literally what specimen collectors are today. The, the specimen collectors today are a way different kind. They, they Typically, it is urine that they collect, hair, <laughs> hair follicles maybe. This is when I wish that our podcast had a video element, because if you, if you could see my face <laughs> right now, like, ew. I had a friend in college that used to do that. Collect urine? Yeah, he would like have a cooler full of of urine and like hey you want to check check this out <laughs> what i'm sure that was unethical him doing that but oh yeah unethical <laughs> for, for him to be like hey yo check out the goods 
<laughs> and you're like, I don't, why do I want to do that? Why? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really want to see it, but he kind of forced it on me. <laughs> We're talking about cooler stuff, exotic animals, plants, minerals from Ooh. all over the world. Well, you know, just think about Indiana Jones, how far he would go and at right. what lengths he would go to find the treasures that he sought after. Right. So this isn't a job like, for instance, Matt, I genuinely do authentically have a collection of orange shoes, like cute orange shoes. Remember cute shoes, Matt? Remember when we would wear cute shoes? You're not messing. You're not messing with me right now. You really? No, I really have a collection of orange shoes because orange is my favorite color. But like no one's ever going to see them ever again because I'm never leaving this closet ever again because of the pandemic. Oh, once this is all over, we're totally having a an orange shoe parade just down <laughs> your street. <laughs> Invite everybody. Okay, so we're not talking about people who just like as a hobby collect things. We're talking about people whose job it was to go out into the world and collect like butterflies and things like that. Yeah, so we're going back to the Victorian age for the height of this occupation of specimen collector and like everything the victorians did they took it to a whole new level it became you know a contest to a competition to get the most ridiculous specimens you could ever find it started out you know mostly private collections because museums were still a new thing but more and more museums were like yeah hey what what you got we talked to somebody who explained how everyone was a collector in the Victorian ages. I'm John Van Wy, and I am a historian of science. In Victorian times, collecting these natural history objects was in vogue, and you'd have everyone from wealthy uh, aristocrats to working class tradesmen who liked to collect these objects. And this meant that there was a market to produce specimens for people to collect, right? It was about having an amazing, impressive collection to show your friends or to show neighbors that, look, I have completed my collection of Amazonian butterflies. I have every species. It was about getting a complete collection of beautiful things and having it you know, preserved. It was, it was a valued treasure for most people. So even like Joe Schmo would do it. Yeah, we, we might have this perception of these well-off people that are just going out with their butterfly nets and, oh, what do we have here? But the people who typically were specimen collectors, uh, it was mostly men. They definitely loved the adventure of it, but they had to make money and that was their way to make money. And so this they were usually not very wealthy, the ones who actually went out and did this. So not Indiana Jones. <laughs> so no, it wasn't just Indiana Jones type folks that had collections. It was everyone. And so there was a huge demand. And so lots of regular folks just went out and sought after all this stuff. So like Joe Schmo would be like, hey, I need a collection of ladybugs from Brazil. And then somebody's job was to go to Brazil and collect every ladybug in Brazil and bring it back so that people could be like, look at my collection of Brazilian ladybugs. Like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, this is the enlightenment. This is a time to try to one-up each other with, I am the most sophisticated and I am the most worldly. Mm. And if you have that, a, a giant collection, you know, just imagine the salons you could have, invite everybody over and you could 
just impress everyone. And today we we can't imagine like imagine someone going to a, a national forest and then just taking whatever <laughs> plants and yeah, animals they want. Yeah. So th- this was a different time. So, like, for instance, the British Empire, it, it, at the time, the British Empire was still the British Empire, and they had, you know, kind of ownership and rulership over, like, other parts of the world, and they would send, like, you could just be, like, a British person and go to these other parts of the world and be like, like, India, for instance, and be like, you know what, I'm going to take every monkey that I could shove in this bag and take it back to England. Nowadays, of course, collecting would be mostly illegal in most countries because exotic plants and animals are usually protected. But in Victorian times, of course, there were no rules, no regulations. You know, the past was so different. They had such different ideas. To go out and shoot all these exotic animals was a great thing to do. Around 1900, the California Academy of Sciences sent out an expedition to the Galapagos Islands. And one of the things they found was the tortoises, but they were almost extinct. Now, to us modern people, we'd think, oh, you better save them. But back then, they didn't have such conservationist thinking. Their thinking was, oh, we better preserve these for science before they're gone. So what they did was they collected them all and killed them. They thought, so we better take the opportunity now to collect them and preserve their bodies for science. That is what they thought was the noble thing to do. But today we are horrified. It's, it's an important lesson because we don't understand how people in the past thought so differently from us. They thought in a way we just don't get. And this just shows you that what we consider important in conservation and so on is not a timeless idea. It's a very modern idea. He's right about modern people being horrified because I was gasping in horror the entire time he was telling that story, like about the Galapagos tortoises. Like, hey, there's only five left. Let's shoot them all. Well, their logic was they have to shoot them so that they can bring them back so they can study them because they knew that if they went back home and came back that the the tortoises would be gone. They'd be extinct. And so this is our last chance to actually, actually see what they look like. And that was the, their way of thinking. Does that make sense? <laughs> kind of? I, it does. There's a twisted logic. I get it. But to be like, hey, they're going extinct. Let's just speed up the process. <laughs> this started out just as mostly for collectors, but then more and more scientists became interested in collecting specimens for research purposes. Collectors came in various Uh, sizes. So some of them were simply hired by a company to go out and collect, for example, orchids. They got no fame or notoriety. It was just doing a job. Whereas other people were young men who were ambitious, who knew about science. They went out on their own initiative and they explored new places and they made discoveries. And these were published from time to time in the newspapers or the scientific journals. And some of these collectors who came home with gigantic collections. They became quite rich and were set up for life. So it was a a profession that if you were competent, if you were skilled, you could really make a killing. Pardon the pun. I'm glad he said pardon the pun. I love puns. I just bring bring them. I do it with my intro sometimes and I apologize.
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I would say two different types of specimen collectors that emerged throughout the 1800s, and that would be the the scientist and the adventurer. Oh, so like Indiana Jones was both. That's right? why he's so dreamy. Yeah, Indiana Jones. <laughs> I mean, come on, I love those movies. Sure, he was afraid of snakes, but he was bold and just, he went out there. But he also knew the history and the right. background. And the... wasn't he a history professor, right, or an anthropology professor? Something anthropology, like that? I believe. Yeah. yeah. So he's like a professor, and he's like knows his stuff, but he's also like going to put on the hat and the cool leather jacket and just <laughs> jump on a ship and go out there and almost get killed multiple times. So. 
this person that we're going to start off with, uh, I, I would say is not that much like Indiana Jones, but more just straight up scientist. Actually, one of the most famous British scientists in history, Alfred Russell Wallace. There's another person who he's associated with named Charles Darwin. I'm sure you've heard of that person. Definitely heard of him. <laughs> they both came up with the theory of evolution through natural selection pretty much independently at the same time. Oh, wow. Like Darwin, Alfred Wallace went out there and he did his own field work. And unlike Charles Darwin, he didn't have much wealth. And so he literally had to go out and collect stuff to sell to museums to make money because he had financial difficulties. But he was, I would call him a a specimen collector. He's like Indiana Jones if Indiana Jones was like hawking his stuff on the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, but to, to museums, I mean. Yeah, was Indiana Jones selling all the stuff that he brought back? I believe so. So you know what? There's a lot of, uh, maybe there is more in common with Indiana Jones, Alfred yeah. Wallace. But I'm sure he didn't carry a whip, though. No, there was no whip. Uh, and no cool hat. But don't forget about Wallace, man. Darwin gets all the love, but Alfred Russell Wallace should be right up there. Don't sleep on Wallace. You know, there's another person we shouldn't sleep on either who is probably even more amazing. She is one of John's favorites. Perhaps the most unusual collector was Ida Pfeiffer, a Austrian widow who decided to travel the world by herself at a time when this had never happened before. No woman had ever gone around traveling alone. But she did so starting in the 1840s and she discovered thousands of species that were not previously known. And she was the first woman to travel around the world. And then she did it again. She traveled around the world a second time. And she became so famous because of her best-selling travel books that she was being followed by the newspapers of the world. So you could read in a newspaper in New York or London or Australia about her latest exploits. And at the same time, she had seen more of the earth than any woman who had ever lived. Wow, Ida Pfeiffer. She, so she was an Austrian widow and she was like, I'm going to go travel the world. Even the women are not allowed to do that. I'm just doing it. And she was like, oh, and look at this butterfly. Ooh, and look at these birds. Ooh, and look at these ants along the way. Yeah, so we're talking the 1850s. No woman had ever done this, like traveled as far and wide as Pfeiffer. Wow. And she was also a journalist, a travel writer. Mm. But I think what drove her more than anything is that her curiosity. She just would just love to get out there. Well, I'm a fan of like BBC Earth documentaries. Yeah. I love those. And especially the ones that are hosted by David Attenborough. And every time I watch one of those, I, I, there's like some animal or bird or something that I'm like, whoa. Like I, <laughs> I've never... And, that, and this is in 2020, you know, like these are modern times where you can sort of see everything you could possibly want to see on the Internet. I can't imagine being this Ida Pfeiffer woman in like the 1800s when nobody, you know, the, you couldn't see anything on the Internet. And you're just like out in the world seeing things in their natural environment that are so mind blowing. Yeah. Do you see that picture of her that I posted? Who it's pretty knows? lit, if I don't mind saying so. So you just look at her and you like you know that she's not messing around. 
she has her net. She's out there. She's up in the jungles. First of all, she's older than I imagined. She she looks in this picture to be in her 50s, maybe. She's wearing not a Victorian lady's outfit, which I love. She's got like short pants and and like she is wearing a skirt, but it's short, but she's wearing pants under the skirt so she can kind of like move around. Very sensible shoes. I mean, she looks like a lady who's like, you know what? I don't care if you want me to wear a corset and a dress. I'm wearing whatever the hell I want. And also, I'm holding this butterfly net. <laughs> <laughs> the Natural History Museum, Vienna, bought 721 specimens from her <gasps> collection when she went to Madagascar and Mauritius. I can never say Mauritius. How do you say Mar- Mauritius? Mauritius. Mauritius. The bigger part of the story, I think, is she. it's estimated she journeyed 32,000 kilometers by land and 240,000 kilometers by sea, literally all over the world. Two times. If I knew what a kilometer was, I'm sure I'd be really impressed. You're not one of those Americans, are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on now. Everyone listening knows what a kilometer is. <laughs> To be a collector was sometimes very dangerous because you might be living amongst peoples who were not very friendly and you might be collecting things that they themselves found valuable. So, for example, if you were in the islands around New Guinea and you wanted to collect birds of paradise, well, these were also valued by the local people. They were a form of wealth, a form of money. But if a foreign collector came, and wanted to collect the same birds, well, there could be a conflict there. Perhaps the most unusual collector was Ida Pfeiffer. So she had many close calls. In Brazil, she was traveling there to see the forests and the flowers and so on. But unexpectedly, a man jumped out of the forest with a huge knife trying to rob her. And she had only her parasol to defend herself, so she tried to push him back. He grabbed it and it broke off at the handle and he dropped his huge knife. She took out her pocket knife and tried to parry him away and she cut his fingers, but he stabbed at her and she held up her left arm and received a huge gash on her arm and was almost killed. But fortunately, just then some riders came around the corner and the robber ran away. Oh my God, this Ida character sounds more and more amazing the more that I hear about her. She's just this random Austrian widow and she's out in the world collecting specimen. And now she's in a knife fight with some rando dude in Brazil? I mean, come on. Why is there no Indiana Jones movie based on this woman? I think the Indiana Jones movies were based on her and they just didn't (gasps) admit it. Yes, yes. And of course they had to change her to a man. I think we all can appreciate the idea that she fought off the enemy with a small umbrella. It's <laughs> just how Victorian is that, you know? Because she, she has cojones, but she's still a stylish Victorian lady who, like, obviously doesn't want to get sunburned. So... <laughs> I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. 
tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa... But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But let's see what it was like for those specimen collectors in the Victorian age out there in the field. What was it like? Well, for a specimen collector, they would probably be sleeping in a native hut or village. And they would go out in the forest and try to find as many animals or plants that they were collecting and fill their baskets or their bottles the local people often just could not understand what on earth these foreigners were doing. And sometimes they would ask them, what, what are you really doing? What's the real purpose of this? Are they going to come back to life in your country? So local people often didn't understand what was going on, but they also made collecting possible because they told people about where you could find wildlife, Often they collected the things themselves. So collectors, if they were clever, 
would employ local people to really maximize the size and scope of their collections. Those poor local people just getting duped. They had no idea that these white Victorian people were just coming in to ruin everything. It just shows you like kind of how radically different the cultures were. Yeah, the the concept of just like going out into the wilderness and just plucking things out of nature and dragging them back to fill your museum. Yeah, it doesn't sound very cool now. All right, so would you do this? Would you go out there if you had the opportunity oh, back then? Oh, absolutely, 100%. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, absolutely not, no. A, I don't really like to do anything physical. <laughs> <laughs> walking my dog is about as active as I want to get. And do I want to go out into the middle of like jungles with creepy crawly things of unknown origin crawling around me? No, 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 no. I will see it in a museum. I will watch it on TV. <laughs> I will see the docs on Netflix and be like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> While I'm in the safety of my living room eating popcorn. But see, that's now. See, back then they didn't have planet Earth, you know, so this is your only chance to see it all, to see what it's, you know, you don't even really probably get a photograph of most of this stuff. You still want to do it? No, no, (laughs) definitely not. Especially if she's going to places where there are orb spiders. No, no, (laughs) nope. I think part of me would want to do this, but like you said, some locations I have no desire to go to, like the rainforest. Rainforests freak me out. There's just so many creatures all around. So many creatures. I cannot deal with creatures. There were so many specimen collectors bringing in so much stuff that today when you go to museums, like if you go to the basements of museums, they are filled to the brim and they don't have enough time or they don't have enough people to sort through all of it. There were so many things that were brought to them by these specimen collectors. I could see how if everyone was collecting and everyone is like, hey, do you want to see my box of butterflies? And everyone's like, no, I have my own box of butterflies. Like, it's probably the same box of butterflies you have. Mm-hmm. That it just get becomes less and less cool if everybody's doing it. It just, it's became too common. Yeah, we, it did fade away. Are there people whose job it is still to go and, and bring stuff back to museums? Like, is, is that just, does that just never happen anymore? Well... They still, yeah, museums still collect things. I, I would say that for the most part, museums, they get inanimate objects today. Like that's yeah. what they're, the yeah. people that, so it's yeah. like, it's an anthrop- anthropologist who's like, or or like, like you know, someone who like digs around for fossils and, and you know, old, old like artifacts from human history. But nobody's job is to like, go get the, go get me this crazy glow in the dark worm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, though, the market kind of, killed itself as well because the demand just went way down because collectors weren't collecting this stuff anymore. It wasn't cool anymore to collect this yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was like Beanie Babies back in the day, right? Like there was a hot moment of Beanie Babies where people were like, oh my God, I need to get the latest Beanie Baby. But then that, then everybody had Beanie Babies and people were like, why do I have, why do I have this pile of Beanie Babies? Dang, that means I can never get rid of my collection. I was hoping to sell those. (laughs) So if you want to learn more about Ida Pfeiffer, John Van Wy, our expert in this episode, has actually written an entire book about her. You can check it out. It's called Wanderlust. 
the amazing Ida Pfeiffer, the first female tourist. And guess what? We have a Twitter handle. It is at JobsoletePod on Twitter. Please follow us. And if you have any questions, you can tweet at us. If you have any comments, you can tweet at us. If you read John's book about the amazing Ida Pfeiffer, which she is amazing. I mean, she was one cojonesy lady. That's a very technical term. But you know what I mean. Like, she sounds really badass. So if you do read the book and you have any insight, tweet at us at JobsoletePod. Jobsolete is produced for iHeartRadio by Zealot Manufacturing Hand Forge Podcast for you. It's hosted by us, Helen Hong, that's me, and Matt Beat. That's me. The show was conceived and produced by Steve Zamarki, Anthony Savini, and Jason Elliott. Our editor is Tommy Nickel. Our researcher is Amelia Polka. Our production coordinator is Angie Jaimes. And theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. A special thanks to our iHeartRadio team, led by Nikki Etor, Katrina Norvell, Ali Cantor, Mangesh Hadi Kador, Will Pearson, Connell Byrne, and Bob Pittman. It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts it's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.